Women's Health Melbourne is a boutique specialist fertility and women's health practice, caring for women at all life stages. We're proud to provide world-class holistic medical care, including IVF and a range of other fertility treatments. We provide our patients with every opportunity to achieve their goals. Our two Melbourne locations are in Fitzroy and our new state-of-the-art Caulfield practice. Reach us at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au and you can follow both Women's Health Melbourne and Dr Rayleigh Alou on the socials. Confused about fertility and trying to get pregnant? Want to know more but don't want to flag it to the world? Welcome to our podcast, Knocked Up. I'm your host, Geordie Morrison. I've got no medical background, but I'm a 39-year-old woman who has her eggs in the freezer. I'm joined as always by Dr. Rayleigh Alou, CREI Certified Reproductive Endocrinologist and Infertility Specialist. We started this podcast with the aim to provide easy-to-understand information on hard concepts relating to fertility, infertility and all aspects of women's health. We love reading our listener reviews and work hard to take feedback on board. If you enjoy listening to Knocked Up and find our resource useful, please take a moment to leave a review and this really helps others to find us. Don't forget to subscribe. Georgia is a passionate and empathetic naturopath. Naturally curious and passionate, she endeavours to achieve optimal health and well-being for herself and her patients. Graduating in 2005 with a Bachelor of Health Science in Naturopathy, she has continued to expand on her education ever since. Since graduating, she has furthered her study with a Certificate in Fertility Education along with a Certificate in Breastfeeding Education with the Australian Breastfeeding Association. Georgia is passionate about supporting women. She cherishes being able to help patients through preconception care, pregnancy and postnatal care. Welcome, Georgia. Thank you. We like to start by asking, I guess, a little bit about how they got to where they are today, mm-hmm. like your training. Yeah. Um, after finishing school, I had a little bit of time off and started then studying a Bachelor of Arts and very quickly realised that what I really wanted to be doing was naturopathy. It was something that I was always interested in. And so I did a Bachelor of Health Science and studied for four years to become a naturopath. So, Georgia, what is a naturopath? Well, it's the basis, I guess, is people who practice herbal medicine, who have studied clinical nutrition. But a naturopath is a very broad term. It also encompasses things at uni that we studied, including counselling. A lot of people do homeopathy within that and... I think the most interesting thing about it is that people really make it what they want from it. So even though everybody has studied the same things and it's a Bachelor of Health Science with all the medical sciences in it, I think people practice it differently. And what you add to it, you add to it is sort of becomes your... Specialty. Yeah. Mm. What led you to be to go down your two areas of the specialisation? So I mentioned before the breastfeeding and the fertility. Mm-hmm. What led you there? They are both areas that I've always been interested in. I think having children, it definitely cemented that for me. Um, The need 
for support around those times really became really obvious and that even though in Australia we have a great system and where people have support in a hospital sort of base system that there it's really a time where people need extra support whether it be nutritional or whether it be lifestyle uh, just I think people really crave extra care around that time. Mm. I'd certainly find in my practice as a fertility specialist that holistic care is a big focus and I really care deeply about my patients' experience through fertility medicine as well as the nuts and bolts of what's wrong and what the medical solutions are to their particular problem set. But I feel that no matter how much time I spend with my patients, and I feel I do spend probably a lot of time compared with a lot of people with my patients figuring out what their problems are and what their needs are um, and my efforts to try and get them where they're going as quickly Mm. as possible, that no matter how much time I spend with my patients, they're still going to be hungry for more time and professional support through the process, especially in IVF. And I, I think that's probably one of the areas where what you do and what I do marry so nicely Mm. together to work together to give our patients a a nice kind of, um, you know, kind of team around them to kind of cushion them through what can be a a difficult time. What's your perspective on on that? Yeah, I just, I couldn't agree more. I just think people really need support and really having more people around you to listen to you, to hear how things are going to be able to support you in whatever that looks like. I think obviously it's important that that comes from the right, the right advice is very important, but I just really think people want to feel cared for and want to feel looked after at a time where they feel very vulnerable. So, uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I was going to ask, um, do the same group of patients who see a fertility specialist often see a naturopath? Do we see it as two things that people naturally think about doing? I would say the answer is yes and no. Yeah. So I personally find that a lot of patients who've come to see me as a fertility specialist may have already seen a naturopath, but I'm sure Georgia might find that a lot of the patients that she might see seeking advice on fertility may not need to see a fertility specialist. So there's like, there's kind of two groups of patients. Um, I think there are a lot of people out there who in the beginning um, spend so much time in their lives trying not to get pregnant, be it on the pill, you know, withdrawal rhythm method in their relationships, just focusing, trying not to get pregnant. And we're kind of like educating people that that's what they need to do from a really young age, not to have an accidental pregnancy. And then they have this expectation, even when there might not be too much the matter, that things are just going to happen snap as soon as they stop doing that. And they can be really discouraged when things don't happen straight away, even though there might not be a big problem. Do you see that also, Georgia, some healthy people that are kind of needing support because it's taking a while? Mm. I think um, a lot of it in the beginning can be people coming off the pill and mm. taking a long time for their periods to be regular. I think that can be a big issue for a lot of women, especially if they've been on the pill for, you know, 10 odd years or more and then they come off and there's an expectation that things will just happen quickly and it often doesn't. Um, in terms of the bigger question that you asked, I, 
there's no question that there's a role for both and that really they can work well together to support each other. For example, um, there are certainly people who have like a secondary causes of infertility that it's really important, you know, if they want to have a baby that there's no question they need to see a fertility specialist. When it comes to people who maybe are not who are not ovulating or don't have a cycle but there's no real reasons I really feel like it's a great opportunity to at least start by trying to regulate their cycle naturally with um, with herbal medicine and nutrition whether it be maybe that they have a low BMI or a really high BMI and just regulating weight that there's a lot that we can do but there's certainly um, first of all I think it's really important that people just make decisions based on what they feel comfortable with but there's certainly such a place for both and an ov- where they overlap and we're able to support each other that I, I think it's a, a really great relationship and it has people have the opportunity to be able to move between and feel really supported by, by both and also be looking at what they feel comfortable with and searching for what is the best for them and for their partner. How old are they? How long do they have? How young are they? You know, how long have they got to potentially try for a little bit longer naturally and see whether or not they can rectify any imbalances that might be causing the problem? So I think there's just a great opportunity for to be able to look at both. When someone comes to you for the first time, what what go, happens in their first appointment? I think naturopaths are renowned and, and uh, taught to ask a lot of questions. Um, people feel... Uh, probably quite confronted sometimes, like everything from, you know, their cycle and all of those things to how often do you go to the toilet? You know, how regular regular are you? And, you know, and then why why would that be important? You know, and so I think we just ask a lot of questions and really try and look at the body as a big picture rather than looking at each system as a separate system in the body, but looking at how does the you know how does your digest, digestive system impact on your hormones and you know and really try and work out like if this system is playing up how can that be impacting on something else so the questions are just endless probably in the first consultation it's a lot of questions and then um, you know trying to see you know over time I guess as people come back for an, an, their next consultation how has that puzzle you know, how have you sort of tapped into what may be that piece or two of the puzzle that is impacting and and whether that, you know, by making changes in lifestyle, nutrition or the herbs that they've been given, how is that then impacting the flow-on effect of, of other systems and how, you know, is that working? So I think, yeah, the first consultation is just a lot of questions and, and building a relationship and really sort of, yeah, forming that kind of trust and bond that, a patient likes to feel with whatever practitioner they've chosen to go to. Do you find people see you before they've been to a fertility specialist? I think it probably depends on the age of the person that's coming. I think a lot of the time older women tend to quite quickly move towards seeing a fertility specialist, whereas I think younger women who know that they have more time on their hands might come to see a naturopath uh, before. But yeah, I think that would, age would probably come into play quite and a lot. I think that's um, actually probably really reasonable because, and I, I think 
the the same way when I see a, a couple come when they're younger. I think their prognosis, if we have to go to the most invasive and most sophisticated technology, is going to be good most of the time and waiting six months or even a year may not make that ultimate prognosis should they need the intervention worse. Meaning that, say, for example, if a 25-year-old comes to see me, yes, of course, I'm going to investigate thoroughly and, and make sure that things like endometriosis and blocked fallopian tubes, you know, serious endocrine or hormonal imbalances that are stopping them from releasing an egg, all of those things are identified and acted on quickly. But I'm going to, in my approach, take a bit of a more stepwise approach and be more conservative because their goal would most likely and most of the time be to get pregnant as naturally as possible with the minimum amount of intervention necessary. And so given that even if I have to pull out the big guns and go to something like IVF, eventually they're not going to do worse or fail where they would have otherwise succeeded if, you know, we don't act quite quickly. Whereas when a woman comes and she's, say, for example, in her late 30s, uh, which is a lot of patients that I see, time is a much more precious commodity because the number of fertile years ahead of her is shorter and the age at which she has her first baby is going to seriously impact the number of babies that she's going to be able to have and her family building success as a whole and try and see the whole chessboard so that I can get them there ultimately, not just immediately. Mm. I think you sort of touched on the process and how invasive it can be. With reproductive technology and the process being stressful and your philosophy of really trying to reduce stress in the experience, how do you find the input of a naturopath and perhaps a dietitian? and how do you find that that helps the IVF process? Well, look, I, I think that the healthier somebody can be, even if someone has a burden of infertility and they've got a, a process that really requires a high-end intervention, the healthier they can be holistically in everybody's system and as well-supported as they may feel, which gives them, I guess, a robust emotional state and a bit of a, a backup, the, the more likely they are to succeed ultimately because the end game is getting them there and helping them have a baby or as many babies as they would ultimately want to have. And to get to that end game, given that IVF, and I've said this before, is not a silver bullet and you may not get pregnant with your first embryo transfer, you may not get pregnant with your first IVF cycle transferring all of the embryos, and especially as women get older and we use a lot of genetic testing, we know that a lot of embryos... In fact, the majority of embryos for women over 38 are just not going to have the right ingredients from a genetic point of view to make a baby. And we have to find the ones that can. And even when we do that, it's not fail safe because a little ball of cells at the fifth day of development still has a lot of hurdles ahead of it to become a baby. Mm. So really, what do we want? What do I want from my patients? Well, I want my patients to be as healthy as possible so that their embryos are as healthy as possible. And I'm not just talking about the ladies here. The men are really important because they're making sperm every day of their lives. And, for example, a man who smokes, their partner's more than 50% more likely to have a miscarriage than a man who doesn't smoke. So that's just one example of how we can optimise the health of sperm. 
In terms of, you know, kind of the input from holistic lifestyle advice, that that's just so important because if we can make everything as good as it can be, if we can line up those ducks from the beginning, then any technology that we bring on top is going to have a better chance of being successful. And I also think that the emotional support is also so important. IVF is not a one-woman process. There are so many aspects of care that just for necessity are delegated. You know, we have in IVF myself as kind of like the conductor of the orchestra. Nice analogy. But we also have, you know, all of our nursing staff, all of our administrative staff, our theatre staff, our lab staff. It can be overwhelming and patients need that kind of one-to-one support from sentinel caregivers. And from my perspective, while I give each of my patients as much time as I can, I'm also looking after quite a few patients at the one time. And being able to bring other members onto the team who are skilled, who are sensitive, who are knowledgeable, and who can also give back to the patient so that they feel super supported helps I think especially those patients who are not going to get there on their first go sometimes and they need to have that kind of emotional support so they can rally through the ups and downs and the stressful times in fertility treatment. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I just feel like they are not only, you know, getting their sort of counselling and human kind of contact and support, but also, you know, when you talk about sperm, like, what can we do? So, you, you know, you can have somebody stop smoking, but, you know, that's not going to be an instant fix. But if you have then, you know, m- you know, the male sort of taking multivitamins and all of the things that need to make healthy sperm so that they swim well, you know, we can really start from the baseline and look at, you know, all of those things to make sure that we are getting somebody, you know, really fertile and ready to be able to give their best you know, shot. both parties involved. Yeah. I think that's sort of I've been just asking questions about women, but as Raylia said, and you as well, is actually men's health is so important in this. 50-50. Absolutely. So everybody who has a baby in our practice will have the um, kind of option and are often encouraged to breastfeed. Can you tell us a little bit about your background in helping and supporting women in this area? Mm-hmm. Well, it uh, sort of started for me when I got pregnant with my third child and I'd already breastfed two and I thought to myself, I'm going to be home for a, a little while and I'm going to take more time off work. I started doing a certificate in breastfeeding counselling with the Australian Breastfeeding Association and spent a few years volunteering on their helpline and basically just building my knowledge and understanding. I'd had the practical experience but then really wanted to sort of understand it from an educational perspective because that's obviously something that I was already doing as a naturopath. Uh, So it just sort of lent itself to being able to add sort of an additional support. So I'm not a lactation consultant, but I am educated to be able to support women through that time and certainly give a lot of sound advice and be able to help them. So what is so nice in my work is that I'm really able to work with people from before they're pregnant and helping them get their bodies really ready for a healthy pregnancy and then support them through a pregnancy, whatever that looks like and whatever they need, whether it's just nutritional support or whether that is 
emotional care as well or whatever it is that they need and then to be able to see them after and be able to help them with a baby and be able to support a mother postnatally and that is a huge time where I feel like nutritional needs of a mother are really important and be able to support them with the breastfeeding as well. So it's really pretty special to be able to guide and support somebody through all three stages around that around that period. I think it's also even more important than it used to be in many ways because we are often having babies a little bit later in life and there are some downstream effects of that, one of which is that there's not so much mothercraft that's kind of you know witnessed in families. Family sizes tend to be smaller. You think about our grandparents' generation, I can certainly talk about my own grandmother. You know, she was one of six children and her youngest sister, she was very involved in her care as a young child and, you know, kind of witnessed these, you know, kind of mothercraft learning curbs. Absolutely. And yeah. take it on. Whereas, and then also at that time, you know, she had her first baby when she was in her very early 20s. And so there wasn't that big gap and, and time when she hadn't been around children. Whereas I think from my perspective as a mum, I had my first baby when I was about 30, just over 30. And um, yeah, it, it was really, even as a obstetrics and gynaecology at that time registrar, uh, I hadn't really, apart from the theory, had any kind of... We delivered a lot of them, but, deliver, but, but that's it. the baby. <laughs> no, I know, but that's what I'm saying is that you've delivered many, but in terms yeah, of yeah. we talk so much about getting pregnant, but actually those first couple of years are when you need so much support and need to be looking after yourself. It's full on. I remember with my first son, I had no idea if he was getting enough milk or not. I couldn't express. I was one of these people. My sister-in-law could fill the fridge with expressed milk with the freezer and, and be able to go out. I couldn't express very much. I think I sat there for like 40 minutes trying to express 20 mils or something like that. Very upsetting. And I was always worried that he wasn't getting enough milk. And that was a concern for me. And in retrospect, I think he probably was. But, you know, these were concerns and worries. And, and, um, and whereas my second child, I never had any concerns because he was, you know, kind of really a gung-ho little personality and still is and he used to just go for it and um, really go for that supply and demand situations. So I think you just don't know. As a first-time mum, it can be so nerve-wracking. I think it really goes back to what we've sort of been saying is that the more support you have around you, you know, I think that is just something that we need and in this day and age where people are not necessarily living around, you know, they might have moved countries or states or not necessarily even have family around them, that is even more important. But even, you know, if we if we do, I just think sometimes people feel more comfortable talking to people who are not necessarily their friends or family but want to sort of speak to somebody who they know has got a lot of experience in an area and I think, you know, all for just the more support that women have around all of this. And also just have that focus time for them, I think, is often we can rely on friends but it's not off, it's not necessarily an hour of support for you, which sometimes you do need to get from elsewhere. Yeah, and another focus on the fact that we're having babies a little bit later is we tend to have them closer together. So that makes the nutritional needs so important because you've got to bounce back from one pregnancy and then not go into the next pregnancy 
um, kind of anemic or undernourished and you've probably been quite tired from looking after a baby. How do you help women in that situation, Georgia? I think one of the things with all of that is that sometimes food is not enough and even the best diet, which is the most key part of it, is not necessarily going to be enough to get somebody where they need to be. And that's when we really look at, you know, the nutritional status and a lot of things we can test for in terms of how's their vitamin D. You know, that's something that, you know, obviously the iron, B12, vitamin D, testing for those sort of things, but also just really like making sure that, you know, are they still breastfeeding? How long ago did they stop? Making sure that, you know, really looking at them, the whole picture and seeing how much does this person need extra? Has it been a year since they stopped breastfeeding or are they still breastfeeding and have fallen pregnant? And and those needs are going to be greater than than somebody who has not been in that situation. Mm. Thank you, Georgia. Thanks for having me. You can find Georgia as part of our holistic team at Women's Health Melbourne, where she's available to support patients at any part of their fertility journey from prior to conception to pregnancy and beyond. And if you haven't been a patient of Dr. Aelia Lu, even for fertility, you can still come and see Georgia for help after having have a baby. You don't need to have needed fertility help. That's right. To need support. And yeah, we're really open to supporting women at every stage of life at Women's Health Melbourne. So come along and, and visit Georgia. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Knocked Up. For more information about naturopathy and Georgia, fertility and women's health, visit womenshealthmelbourne.com.au. Check out our back catalogue and subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes. Many of our episodes focus on answering listener questions, so if you have one, please be in touch via our email, podcast at womenshealthmelbourne.com. Follow us on social media at Women's Health Melbourne and Dr. Aelia Lu. If you're enjoying our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. It really helps others to find us. See you soon.